So I turn into a ruthless f- robber, and that's what I was. Um, I'm tying you up. I'm holding you at gunpoint. I'm taking you into your yard. If you can't get money out of a cash point, I'm taking you to your house. Now I'm a teenager with a dodgy f- Beretta. That's it. I'm never sleeping on the streets again. I'm never having anyone mug me off again. I've got a big heron habit. I've got a crack habit, right? I've got a gun. I've got nowhere to live. You know, that's like, that's a, that's a quad you don't really want to be messing with. Gone down to the broom cupboard, snapped a mop handle straight in half, gone to the first screw I could see, grabbed him by his hair, put that, and I said, you need to tell your people to get off the wing now. All the screws, they left him. His colleagues left him with me. You've got fog that comes into your cell. Now, you would think, <laughs> nah, mate, you're chatting. Fog comes into your cell. You wake up and you look and there's like this little thin layer of fog. And you're like, what the fuck? Where am I? It doesn't matter, you'll go to any lengths. And I didn't care. You know what? You're telling me I might die off it. That's a good high, isn't it? I was I was a user, constant. Like I, I maintained heroin habit, crack habit, spice habits. I've maintained those within prison. There's a cash point there. Put a gun to the guy's into his rib cage there. Give me all the f- money you can get at this cash point now give me your f- money or i'm gonna shoot your friend this guy goes no you won't uh right we got paul simmons with us today he spent 22 years in the prison system sentences include kidnapping with violence home invasion with weapons drugs the list is endless But again, we have to look at the root causes of crime. You know, it's one of the things we are championing on this channel, our mission. Stop the childhood trauma and you'll end many of the crimes because it is an absolute root cause. So in Paul's life, we've got childhood trauma again. Then the teenage criminality, getting involved in drugs, hooliganism. In prison, he became known as the weapons man, including making shanks. So... We're going to go on a hell of a journey, but at the end of it, you've got the redemption because Paul's been front page news in the Bristol Bath area. Um, he's TikTok, he's out there in the morning getting that fresh air in and telling his stories, but he's inspiring people who are going through the depths of addiction, homelessness. You know, people at society, the government in particular, just aren't taking any care of whatsoever. So it's got an important social justice message. So huge thank you for coming on. Yes, Not a problem, thank man. Thank you for having me. Before we get into the whole story, though, I'm just curious as to how you got known as the weapons man. Um, in jail, I was I was a user, constant. Like I, I maintained heroin habit, crack habit, spice habits. I've maintained those within prison. And the way to maintain it through prison, when you're not getting visits and you don't have money, 
is you find a gap in the market. Like like anything in life. You gotta you get your hustle it, yeah. on. Yeah. You've got to get your hustle on when you're in prison. And my hustle was nicking the metal bars off of the brooms. So you have a, a broom handle, you've got the broom. And for some reason prisons put a big bit of metal right like that. And if you snap that metal in half, you've got the beginnings of two shanks. And what I used to do is take them to my cell, get it on the window sharpen it on the outside of the window. I'd be there, oh, sorry. I'd be there for a little while, sharpening away. And I'd go out into the association room, table, football table, nick a couple of the uh, rubber handles off of the bars, bang that in, and you've got yourself one hell of a prison weapon. That's a pro- That's proper it's, bone crusher. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not, it's not a messing around sort of thing. You know, if you would have got you know, stick to one of my weapons. And unfortunately, you, you, you may not have uh, woken up to the next day. It was pretty brutal. So for a premium shank like that, what is the going rate in prison? I'd get about £100 worth of spice or whatever it is. But in street value, tenner, £10 street value, £100 prison value, that's kind of, that's, that's the, yeah. Is that spice you would flip or use? No, I'd use. I was real, like I said, up until 2019, mate, I was just an animal. I was an animal. Any drugs, didn't care what it was, how I got it, how I took it, didn't care. So, yeah, making, w- making shanks was a good way of making money. And what was the clientele like? Oh, they were great guys. I loved them all so much. You know, let's have it right. I'm going to have it right. And Sean, you can contest to this. You'll be able to say this. Most of the guys you do gel with, they're idiots. Unfortunately, there's a huge amount of people in prison who... They, they can't see anything but prison. They can't see past it. You know, getting a, a sheet of spice paper makes them a gangster overnight. And, you know, someone else will come along and rob them. And that's kind of prison. And you have to learn to kind of take yourself out of that bubble. So for the last four or five years of my prison life, I kept myself well to myself. Man. I couldn't be dealing with anyone else, man. And if I did, you know, my head would flip and... The door would shut with you and me and inside and would have a little chat about that situation. Were they obtaining shanks then to collect debts or was it because they've been ripped off by somebody um, else? Or? No, there was, when I was in Stockton, so that's up towards you going up, up north towards Nottingham Way, it's huge gangs. They're massive gang warfare in prisons. At the moment, right now, in your local jail, there are, there will be two gangs and they just don't like each other. See someone from the other gang. That's it. It's, it's, you're in trouble, man. Man's going to have you up, whether it's in the showers, whether it's walking on the exercise yard or a lot of jails. Now they've got the tunnels where you've got these long tunnels with little corners where you don't even see people coming. You're walking along, mind your own business. Next minute, you've got someone stamping all over your jaw, like wiring it up for you. Yeah. Because we've got a lot of American viewers and they're very curious. They're always asking about the English gangs because in America, it's the Nazis, the yeah. blacks, the Mexicans. Yeah, it's not like that. What's it like here? If you, if you explain it to the Americans, you don't... So, like, I know, I've watched enough. My missus watches all the snap women who kills, right? So I know, <laughs> I know about American prisons. It's totally different. It's all about your postcode, where you're from. Who's your boy on road? Who's your boy inside? For Americans, then postcode means zip code. Zip code, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so it's all about your area, where you're from. 
and it doesn't matter. Beef from street ends up in prison. If you end up in prison with someone you got beef, it is real hard time. You end up, you know, things are happening. You're getting holes put in you, you're getting your cell burnt out, whatever it is, man. You know, lots of people burn cells out these days. And what is the worst thing you have ever seen in there? There's a couple. I'm gonna I'm gonna give you one incident, and this is this is a, a it's a brute. That's the only way I can. So a guy come into the jail. Um, I was in Oxford, Bullingdon. Guy come into the jail. Um, people didn't realise that he had like Asperger's, so he used to say inappropriate things. He said an inappropriate thing to a female SO, a senior officer, just above a normal screw. She got. Got it in her head. Spoke to a couple of the man them on the wing. So people, this happens a lot. Don't think it doesn't because it does. Spoke to a couple of the big boys on the wing. Said he was a wrong one. Said he was a bacon. Said he was a non. So you know how it goes. Jomo. So deal with the situation. I I wasn't aware of this until after the fact. I'm sat just playing a game of poor mind in my own. See four guys coming down pillowcases over their heads, you know, everything's camera. They've gone into this cell, bang, bang, bang. We didn't know what quite had gone on. They'd all come out about four or five minutes later. This poor kid comes out of his cell. He's cut face, 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 stomach, legs from his bum up to oh. the nape of his back. And they did it when he was unconscious. So this guy's woken up, claret, Blood coming from absolutely everywhere. Walking along the landing. I remember it so clearly, man. Just blood. You know, he's walking and he got the, the metal landing. Just blood. A whole trail of blood. And I remember looking at this SO's face. And I knew she'd done something because she looked pale. She looked white as a ghost. Didn't realise you're sending serious guys into a cell. They, 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 officer, prison officers don't realise that. They just think we're all idiots and yeah, he'll get an hiding. You don't realise you're sending animals to, to do a job. Mm. So yeah, that's like, that's one of the bad ones. And there's one other when I was in HMP Earlstoke in, um, yeah, I was in the shower minding my own and another guy got cut from like his neck all the way down to his bum cheek. Like it opens them up. It's a really horrible song. Do you know what that was over? It was over wrong identification. A phone call got sent from another prison because everyone's got phones. You know, you have to just look at bloody uh, TikTok now and everyone's got, everyone's got phones. Mm. Um, a wrong information come on. He was supposed to be a grass or had ripped someone off. He was in the shower minding his own business and yeah, it got opened up like a, like a letter really. It was real disgusting. And you know, it's like people always say to me, how do you get PTSD and <laughs> stuff like that in prison? It's, it's witnessing those sorts of behaviors. And it is, you know, I could give you a hundred stories like that, Sean, a hundred stories of prisoners getting all messed up, prison officers get, you know, the stories are bad and it's graphic and people these days think jails easy. Because you've got your phone in your cell. You've got your TV in your cell. Some people have even got PlayStations and Xboxes. But what you don't realise is they're in their cell all day. All day ruminating, getting real peed off. When those doors open, man, it is just like... It's animal behaviour. That's the only way 
I've always said it. It's like putting sheep and wolves in the same pen and expecting everyone to survive. Don't work like that. It's a function of the evolution of drug gangs. That's what we've learned. Yeah. So in America then, it's like I said, it's each race and each race controls the drugs for that race. Mm. You said it's postcodes, zip codes. Yeah. So it, and and that those they're drug gangs, aren't they? Primarily, yeah, yeah. Absolutely, it's all about the drugs. It's all about who has got. Now it doesn't matter what drugs it is. It doesn't matter because prisoners don't care. They just want to get high. They want to take a day out. And you know, when I say a day out in the mines, you know, they want to go back to their cell, smoke some up, either knock themselves out or just not even know what's going on for a few hours. And that's a few hours in their day. They've not had to deal with prison. And unfortunately, it's getting worse. It's getting worse. How recently was it you was in? Um, I, um, a year, just September was a year. So you know so I'm, exactly I'm what's going on yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's no You're messing. probably the freshest prisoner, yeah. ex-prisoner we've listen, had on. Listen, I was there through COVID. That's how close it was. I was, and I was high risk through COVID. I've got no spleen yet. So I did 24 hour bang up for almost a year. Almost a year. People don't know that about COVID. If you were deemed to be high risk, they first come up with this thing about, oh, we're going to let everyone out who's high risk. And they had this plan that just didn't, it, it went nowhere. It absolutely went nowhere. Everyone got a letter back saying, unfortunately, we're not going to release you. So what they did, everyone who was classed as extremely uh, vulnerable, they just got put in their cell and left to it. No exercise. No, no. I was let out in the morning before unlock. And in the evening, just after, un- uh, just after bang up, just so I could have a couple of phone calls. And that was me for a year. Practically That's, solitary confinement. Yeah, solitary confinement is block without being in the block. You know, you've just got the TV and that that function, but everything else, it's yeah, it messed me up a little bit, man. You know, but I'm here, still going, man. I'm not committing fucking crimes. So, so, so the drug of choice used to be heroin. When heroin. I was housed, ninety percent were doing heroin. Yeah. <clears throat> What's the drug of choice now? Spice. Spice. Has heroin been pushed out? Yeah, no, it doesn't exist in prisons anymore. Really, in the UK? It does not exist in UK prisons anymore. It's all about spice, and it's not even spice, it's spice paper. So they are getting things like alloy wheel cleaner, stuff like that, dipping paper in it, drying it, and then people in the jail are smoking that. There's no tobacco anymore, so they're making pipes and smoking it pure, just on paper like that. Do you know what I mean? That's why you notice a lot of prisons now, they uh, photocopy all the mail. And they've got the big x-ray machines. That's not for heroin. It's not for crack. It's spice has made them step up their game because it's that bad in there. Trust me, I know I'm out and down loads of times. Woke up, you know, in a cell full of vomit and I didn't care. That's when you're, when you're a proper user, when you're a proper addict, it doesn't matter. You'll go to any lengths and I didn't care. You know what? You're telling me I might die off it. That's a good high, isn't it? That's a good high. That's what I struggle with. If mm. spice is such an um, erratic drug, why yeah. has heroin gone out the window? Is it the price? Um, it's just easier to get spice into the prisons. That's what it is. Because now it's not the, the green, it's not, not the herb. Like I said, it's dipped paper. Now, if it's not coming through the mail or over the fences, there's only other one way it's coming in. The staff. The staff. And drones sometimes. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, the drone thing, but they are getting on top. Certain gels have got those, uh, those sort of blocks of signal. So you get about two feet into the gel 
and your drone just drops. <laughs> and a lot of people aren't aware of that. So yeah. like they sort of goes in and their drone drops. Yeah. So it's kind of, yeah, it's kind of peaking there right now, man. But Spice, I'm telling you, it's going to be, <clears throat> it's going to be the end of, of, of the prison drug system. It is, it is. It's, it, it's ruined the jail. It's ruined the way people behave. People have got real nasty and manipulative. Oh, it is. Even the guys who write to me from Arizona prison mm-hmm. is saying exactly the same. Yeah. People wigging out on spice. They don't even know what to do. Nope. They're flopping on the floor. They're attacking yep. each other. All kinds of weird shit. Yeah, I've seen a, I've seen a, a female prison officer get knocked right out. And she, I mean, she got put on her ass by a guy having a spice attack. He was just having a... He didn't know. I've been in a spice attack, so I, I'll give you a little insight. It's like you're in a little trip. It's like you're tripping and you have to go through that trip, if you know what I mean, to get out the other side. And I've attacked one of my friends. Like I was in his cell. I'd had a pipe of spice. Next thing I know, I didn't know what I was doing. I've tried hitting him with the, the metal bin. You know, prison, they don't have nothing by us. It's always a metal something. They like to give you a weapon of choice. (laughs) You know, you could give them a a plastic bag, but no, you give them metal bin, metal trays, you know how it is. (laughs) And yeah, I tried smacking, smacking my my best mates heading in in the jailhouse and they're few and far between when you say you've got a good mate in jail because, you know, everyone turns in the end. And yeah, I tried smacking his head and it was only that he managed to grab me and hold me and was like, boy, it's me, it's me, it's me, it's me. Otherwise, you know, it's, you don't know what you're doing. You don't know what you're doing. And they call it mandang. They call it now when an ambulance comes into prison. They call it a mambulance. Actually, after Black Mamba, that's what they call it, mambulance. Because, you know, up north, all the jails call it mamba. That's what they call it, mamba. And down here, they call it spice. So did you say so, man down as well? Man down. Yeah, we used to bang on the plexiglass. Man down, man yeah, down. Yeah, man down, exactly. Man down. If someone, yeah. yeah. And that's where it comes from. Like yeah. code red, code blue, you know, all that. So we just say man down and that's all it does to you. It fucks you up. It's fucking the system up. It's making prison officers not wanting to come out of the, the offices. They like so prang about opening up doors. Now, I mean, literally they'll come on, open the doors and they'll go back to the safety of their office. And they man the, the system by, by the cameras. That's, that's how most of the UK jails now are being, are being manned because the screws, these are young kids, man. Young kids and they're dealing with. We've seen them, haven't we? When we've talked Yeah. So, yeah, you, you know, you've yeah. been through, you've been, you know, you've recently done that tour. So, you know, yeah. these children are looking after men who are smart, manipulative. They turn them and they turn them. And before you know it, you've got these, these, these young screws bringing in drugs and they don't even realize they're bringing them in. Yeah. It's literally, it's literally, they've just got them and it's the prison's fault. They got rid of all the good screws. They got rid of them all, you know, all the good screws. They went, they fucking went out the window. So you mentioned Amanda Murley and Americans. I'm just trying to like, um, go explore this a bit more then. Yeah. So there is a racial component to it as well as. The postcode component. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. So in the, in the south, I imagine it's different from the north as well. Yeah. Have you have you done the full spread? Yeah, I've been far up as Hull okay. and as far down as Parkhurst. Okay. So yeah, and everywhere in between. I I can't tell you. I've tried to name them many times. Yeah. All the prisons. I couldn't. T- it's over twenty prisons I've been in. Over twenty prisons. You know, from Cat A to Cat D. 
So what's, what's the difference in the gangs like then from the north to the south? North, they're just Rango. I was in HMP Garth, which is near uh, Liverpool. Yeah. That was mental. Absolutely lawless, crazy Manchester guys versus Liverpoolians, you know, Manx and Scallies. And they were nuts. They were fighting each other all the time. Nottingham, that's another crazy gel. The screws don't, they're scared there. They, you know, real scared. I've seen guys jumping over the servery, serving up food. One of their mans is getting attacked, coming back from work. They're over the servery, out the door, onto the yard, having it out proper, you know, like, like, like they should do. But, you know, nowadays these kids don't know how to fight, man. You know, that's all you need to do. They need to learn how to have a good whack, man. I'm telling you. Good <laughs> whack in the face. I got steel plates in both cheeks, man. Yeah. What was that from? One was from a can of tuna, right? <laughs> I had a fight with this guy. So I owed him five pound. Five pound canteen day. So canteen day is where you get your food or in jail, they call it uh, the commissary, I believe. Yeah, I got it. <laughs> um, so that's where you get your food and you pay your debts off. And sometimes, you know, addicts, they don't care. They get off as many different sources as they can. And, uh, yeah, I owed someone a five pound note. I've gone into the cell to discuss it. And the man wanted a fight. So we had a good fucking tear up, but it was a life for a cell. So you can't take the piss. So we've had a little fight in there. It started getting messy. The life has gone, listen, you two fuck off. So you fuck off because life, they ain't got nothing to lose. If they put you, put you in their grains, what's that? It's a bit concurrent, isn't it? So <laughs> it is. So yeah, I've had a fight in the cell. The guy said it's about 50 50, I reckon. You know, I'm not going to big myself up or anything. As I've come to walk out the door, this guy's about here. He just lined me up so good. I didn't even see it coming. Or oh, I just saw a white light. Just saw a white light. It was a tin of tuna in a sock. Like, oh, what? Yeah, so I got two steel plates in that one, and I got one in there, and that's from a stamp on the face. But that's, you know, when you're <clears throat> like I was, I was an armed robber, right? I used to carry firearms, right? So I had a certain respect outside. In jail, that respect can go right out the fucking window because all they care about is who you are as a person. That gunman thing, that, don't, that doesn't matter when you're in jail because you ain't got your gun in jail. You ain't got your boys in jail. You're, and me, like I'm Bristolian and I did a lot of my jail up north, like Northern Jails, Rye Hill, Rye Hill, Dovegate, Garth, Hull, Marshgate, like Donny, I like I said, I've been like all over, all over. Walton, I just they they come to me. It's, I've been to a lot of jails and seen a lot of fucking crazy man. And the stomp, what was that? Uh, that's just a fight, man. Fight on the yard, fight on the yard, and a couple of kids got the better of me. Yeah, it's a lot of guys are going to come onto your show, Sean, and give it the big, give it. Nah, man, I'm fucking this and I'm doing that and I'm fucking biting noses off. A lot of that's balls, man. Because if you're telling me you've never had a hiding, you're fucking lying. You're lying. Because everyone's had a hiding. You know, I fucked a, a lot of man up. But I'm never going to be sit here and go, you know what? I've never been turned. I've been turned over, man. You know what I mean? It's fucking, it's what it is, isn't it? It hurts. You get over it. and you, But you learn to take an hiding. Not like the kids now. That's all I can say. So you've been to a lot of prisons. Yeah. What's the most well-known prisoner you've been in with? I'm Ronnie O'Sullivan's old man. 
I did bird with uh, Ronnie Senior. Yeah, Ronnie Senior. Yeah, I was with him in Earlstoke and in Hawfield. Me and him used to go gym together. Fitness fanatic, absolutely crazy, crazy fit. Very cockney, you know, and all that. What, mate, and all that. But yeah, that's like, and I did, I was in um, Loudon Grange with the Brinks Max guy, the guy who did the um, Kenneth Noy, Kenny Noy. Yeah, I was in jail with him as well. Big name. Different, different guy. <laughs> yeah, different, different. You knew, you knew to behave around him. That's, you know, there's hierarchy like anything in life. Prison, there's a hierarchy. And it doesn't matter what, like I was doing Big Bird. I was doing Big Bird. I was doing 10 and a half years in one of my sentences, man. That's Big Bird. You know, you get a bit of, get a bit of leeway with that. But there's certain people, it doesn't matter. You got to behave yourself. Otherwise, you know, so you're going to get you say you were well respected? Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Mm. Since this is what you said, because um, I was in with a mafia hitman, and he would say, "Like, I wish I had my pistols with me right yeah. now." Things like that, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. when people called him out because he was an old man by then. But he was yeah. like, he won't be saying this if I had my pistols with me. No, yeah, <laughs> but that's the thing. Like, yeah. The guy you are outside of jail is not the guy you are inside of jail, and I don't give a fuck who you are. I don't care. Like, if you tell me you are, you're lying. I'm telling it's you. Like you've straight. got X-ray vision on everything yeah. you've done in your yeah, life, yeah, yeah. and they can see right they through. They can see straight yeah. through you, man. Yeah, yeah. There's no bullshit in there because you will get fanged out, and there's no hiding in jail. Like I said, every country nowhere to hide. <laughs> nowhere to hide. You can get transferred to a jail the other side of the country. It takes a phone call now. That's all it takes for. So you you need to pay your debts. Don't get in trouble <laughs> and have a bit of respect for people, especially the quiet ones. Cause them quiet ones, it's not just a, that's just not a nice thing to say. It's true. Then quiet ones are fucking crazy. So you Darren know. G and a few of the others were telling us that the Muslim gang has become the biggest. They are the biggest. Experience? I could li- listen. Um, when it comes to the, the Muslim gangs, right? They are crazy, right? They, they're a different breed. It's not now. I, I don't want to sort of put them in a box if you know what I mean but I have to say they are brothers and that's what they call themselves they are brothers and they really do mean that they are brothers one of their brothers gets hurt one of their brothers get disrespected forget about it you know they go they go prayers on Friday which means every wing gets together so if you've upset one of them be aware of Friday afternoon association because it is your time to get served up, to get fucked up, and most probably to be convinced to become a fucking Muslim at the same time, right? Because <laughs> that happens a lot. Like, <clears throat> this is one thing I'm really scared to say, but I'm going to say it anyway. I was asked 40 times in jail to become a Muslim. Like, for easy 40 times to become, you know, why don't be our brother, we look after you, da-da-da-da. But, and a lot of guys, they, they fall into that. Became Muslim. Yeah, I, there's, I know a lot of guys, like there's a lot of guys who are genuine Muslims, but there are a lot of guys who do it for the protection factor. Now, that's a big thing in the UK jails now, having someone to say, he's my, he's my younger, he's my older, we got him, you know, that sort of thing. It can be nuts in there, man. So have you got any more prison questions before we go back to the start? I just no, want to ask I've, quickly something. That 50 pence piece. This 50 pence piece. I can't stop staring at it. It's a 1978 50 pence piece. There's a guy on TikTok, Thornhill Jewelry. Please put that in. Um, he carved that. That's my non-active approach. So that's he hand, that's hand-carved. 
there's a video. I've got a video on my TikTok. So he, he carves things out of coins and he's, he's a recovering addict. And he was like, <clears throat> he was like, mate, I want to do something for you. He's like, tell me your date of birth. And like 1978, 50 pence piece. It's awesome. That's, like That's really cool. And this one's my, uh, one day at a time. One day at a time. Loading. Recovery. Yeah, That's recovery. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So Paul, because of certain of our coverage, the UK authorities have put a restriction on my channel whereby if someone has had childhood trauma, I've got to ask you on camera, do yeah. you waive your anonymity? I do, Sean. Thank you. <laughs> all right, because we're going to go back now and look at what life was yeah. like for you as a kid and, and where you were born and all that stuff. All right, sweet. Yeah, um, so... I'm I'm a true Bristolian, born born and bred Bristol. Uh, lived there up until into my teens. I was brought up by my mum, who's white, and my stepdad, who was white. And my stepdad, unfortunately, he had some issues. Man, loved to drink, loved his fists, and his fists loved me. Unfortunately, and up until I was like six, seven. When did that start, man? I couldn't tell you, and that is that is a genuine truth. All I know, by the time I was nine years old, I'd had 26 hospital appointments, hospital visits, A&Es. So if you figure it out, that tells you it was going on bad, bad for a very, very long time. You don't need to look like that, Sean, because you know what? That's the, an, it, an innocent kid has yeah. 26 hospital visits. That's, yeah. that's heartbreaking, man. Yeah. It, I've got used, do you know what I mean? Because I talk about it, I'm open about it. I talk, it's just, I try not to let it get me there. And, you know, so I was dragged out of my family home at the age of nine. I was put into social services, you know, they were going to save me and make sure I do amazing. They put me in a residential home where I was sexually abused for about five years by, I'd never had, what they used to do, and I've, I know this now by speaking to other kids who I was in care with, they used to identify kids who come from abusive backgrounds, who had no familiar support. They had no one coming to see them like they used to do family open days. My, you know, they didn't give a shit, my people, so they never used to come. And, um, <clears throat> sorry, Andrew. That's right. These are, yeah, so there was about five or six working in this working it in was this a staff school. yeah yeah oh. it's a staff yeah yeah it's a staff yeah so it got pretty bad the place doesn't exist anymore so you always know, i always say this to people you always know it's a dodgy spot when it doesn't exist a few years after the older lot left it got shut down and yeah so it's were any of them ever held accountable no i've never not once made an official complaint I, I speak to other people about it. Like, we all know it happened. There's, there's, you know, there's no people going, oh, no, that didn't happen where you were. People knew it happened where I was. I just, Sean, for years, I was a criminal. And the thought of going back to court for anything fills me with a dread that I cannot explain. Courtrooms, judges. sterile atmosphere, isn't it? It's... I get that knot in my stomach just thinking about it. And yeah, so no, that's not for me. How, how, did, how did it stop the abuse? I left. I left. I left care when I was yeah. 16. That's what it stopped about a month before I started my GCSEs. These staff members, they would go on holiday and not come back. So I'm assuming 
other staff knew what was going on. You know, these people had been sort of uh, ring-fenced and got rid of. But yeah, it went on literally until I left school. You know, I was I was a complete and I was a shell of a person. I want, you know, and I left that residential setting. I had two choices. Go back home to my dad or make myself homeless. So I made myself homeless. I, I was living on the streets of Bristol, around Broadmead, sleeping in car parks, night shelters, you know, getting in, getting in deep to stuff that I had no concept what was going to happen. Just, you know. So it went from nine until... Nine until 16. Yeah. Literally. <laughs> All right. So after the abuse, you had to make a decision, didn't yeah. you? Yeah. So it was either go back to my family home where there was a risk of, you know, getting a hiding for them, not understanding what had gone on at that school because I wasn't believed. Uh, I just wasn't, you know, I was that kid. You could have, you could have, you know, found Midas's treasure had you wouldn't have got believed. Unfortunately, that's where I was. So yeah, I put myself on the streets. Now a lot of people think, what the fuck, what do you want to make you put yourself on the streets? But that's what I did straight out of care. 16 years old, didn't fucking know anything about anything. Can you take us through that first day of putting yourself on the streets? It was weird, man. I'd literally come out of school. This is how it went. So I was in a residential school, so... Did you have any belongings? Um, I literally had a few items of clothes on my back. Like, nothing. You know, I'm starting my life from... It was like I had a couple of tops trainers and coat that I was wearing and I just got a train into Bristol wandered around I remember walking from uh from town all the way up to Lawrence Western now if anyone knows Bristol brought me to Lawrence Western like it's a heck of a walk but it was just a walk it just I needed to like it was getting dark I didn't know where to do what to do where to go so I got to L Dub Stayed in some of the LW Lawrence Western for the Bristolians. Stayed in a stairwell of some flats for the first night. Just, you know, tried to get some, some sort of warmth and sleep first night. Realized that that wasn't the area I needed to be. Made my way back into town the next day. And that's when I bumped into there's a place in Bristol called the Bear Pit, very famous back in the day, all the homeless alcoholic drug users all used to associate right now. I made my way there and just sort of, you know, street people look after street people. It's one of them weird sort of situations. How, how do you I, sleep? I was sleeping in uh, the Tollgate car park in Bristol. Uh, that's a, that's a, like a, just a car park. A lot of people used to sleep in there. Like there used to be like 30 of us park. in a car park. Yeah. Open air car park like, in a stairwell. Ground. Yeah. In a stairwell. In a stairwell. Just there'd like, be a few of us just trying to get some sleep. It was cold. It was horrible. I woke up to more than one person dead, you know, like, dead. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Frozen out, man. The old boys free, freeze out. People don't realise that about being homeless, man. You you come across real heartache and heartbreak, man, because these are people who've got no family. No one cares about them. They die and you just have to get up, go, phone 
the police and just say, look, you just come across a homeless guy who's dead. Was it mainly hyperthermia? Hyperthermia, hyperthermia with drug use, you know, and alcoholism. Alcohol, like a lot of alcoholics were dying more than the heroin and crack users. Heroin keeps people warm. It's like they always used to say, natural ready break. That's the thing. It keeps, it literally warms you up. Whilst alcohol makes you think you're warm. When you're not, and yeah, a lot of, a lot of guys died in uh, the NCP car park, Tollgate car park, under <clears throat> under the M32 motorway bridge in Eastfield. We used to sleep in there. Did you insulate yourself with anything? Uh, yeah, as much as I could. Do you know what I mean? I used to put paper up in my bloody... Paper? Know. Sounds ridiculous when I say it now, but that's like what newspaper. we used to do. Newspaper. We used to put it in our clothes, you know, so you get that little bit of extra bloody warmth. And so, it's crazy. You got a whole day of doing nothing but trying to get money, begging. You know, I was, uh, unfortunately, I went to begging on the streets and absolutely all sorts. Got myself involved in petty crime, nicking out of cars and stuff. Got myself nicked. They realised I was homeless. Put me in a hostel. So I was in a hostel in Gloucestershire. Everyone will know it from the UK. But yeah, this this hostel in Gloucestershire, when I was there, uh, I come across a guy from Bristol, you know, I guess, I don't know whether he was a manipulator or he was doing me a favour. I don't know what it was. I don't know what to this day. It still baffles me. But yeah, asked me if I wanted a bit of gear, a bit of crack, snowball. Never had it before. You know, I'm this, this kid who's completely messed up. I've been beat up. I've been sexually abused. I've been on the streets. And now this guy's offering me this. Man, drugs never heard of that. I have a bit of that. Straight in the arm it went. First time of experience. IV, you know, straight injected it into my arm. Made me feel amazing. Made me feel paranoid. Made me feel sick. All the things all at once. But what it did, it stopped me thinking about my life, it literally turned it off. It was like it went, trauma. Yeah, yeah, you don't need to worry about that trauma no more. That's gotten. It's disappeared. So I thought, you know, so I thought. But yeah, uh, I went from, so I was in a hostel for stealing from cars. I ended up going to prison for my first street robbery while I was in the hostel. Because like I hooked up the crack and the gear. It just got to that point. And uh, my first robbery, we were we'd nicked a car from Gloucester Hospital. Uh, so I'd nicked a car. We were going down from Gloucester to Stroud. There was a guy just sleeping in his car, just sat there sleeping in his car. My first street robbery was took the keys out of his car, threw the keys away, you know, into this fucking field. Had a hammer, mate. I'm going to stove your head in if you don't give me your shit. All right. He wouldn't give me a shit straight away. So he got a little slap with a hammer around his side of the head. And I know when I say a little slap with a hammer, you know what I mean, right? But I just, you know, we don't need to go into graphics, fucking you know. Yeah, he got, uh, he got, I hit him with a hammer, took his car, took his money, left him on the side of the street, Um, went off like a crazy man, like about two weeks later, I, I dumped the car. I had blood in the car, my blood in the car from a little cut. Got caught for that. My first real prison sentence, two-year stretch. Did a year. Portland, back in 1995, 94, 95. Back then, that was um, slop out. 
This is the Weymouth one. The Weymouth one. Well, I, was, that's, I just spoke there two weeks ago. Yeah. Is so, it YO? It's, it was YO. It's an adult and YO now. It's interesting on the coast. Yeah, on it's the like coast. Some, oh, bloody, uh, you go across Chisel Beach and up the hill. Escape from Alcatraz. Yeah, it, it, look, yeah, it is literally like that. So, yeah, I ended up uh, getting my first robbery charge of two years. Got to, did a year. Easy. What was it like going in there then? Oh, going into Portland for the first time is real bad. I had no concept of gel. Now, How these old are, are you the at days this point in the story? I was 16. Holy 16. I was still 16. So I'd literally, you'd get sentenced back in the day. This is what happened. You used to get sentenced, get put into the court cells. Then you'd get driven to the, to the prison by the police. Oh, Bill used to take you to the jails. Not like it is now in the big, like the prison transport buses. You used to just get driven there and the whole way there, they're going, oh, you're in trouble. Oh, you know, you're not going to like it there. Fresh you meat. know, all of that's going around in my head. They said, you fucked it this time, aren't you? You've really done it. Got there and trying to act all cool. Must call them sir. You know, there's bed patch. I had to learn how to do full kit layout. To, it was a nightmare. Hated it. Hated every minute of it. Thought I would never go back to jail again. After that one year sentence, because you know, I'm like, my kid got out at 17. I think, um, I had nowhere to live. I literally, they released me. I did a year and they released me homeless. I had literally nowhere to live. So I was kind of back into the same situation, but this time I'd come out with a different head on me. I'm like, why, why, why am I, why am I struggling like that? Why don't I just make my money and do what I want to do? So I turned into a ruthless fucking robber. And that's what I was. Um, I'm tying you up. I'm holding you at gunpoint. I'm taking you into your yard. If you can't get money out of a cash point, I'm taking you to your house. Like I was that guy. I did not give a fuck about you. I didn't give a fuck about what you said. You can cry to me. You can moan to me. I didn't care because I know you got money and I can turn that money into cracking heroin. So that was me. Uh, I got 10 and a half years after being out 18 months. So I was about, out about 18 months after uh, my sentence. And I did a, this is how it works, Sean. This is how crazy life is. I went into a pub to use the toilet. Walked into the pub. Notice there's like two people sat in this pub, right? Seen the guy behind the bar, I'm thinking, right, I'm having this fucking pub now. I'm fucking robbing it now, right? So I've gone in to use the toilet, gone to walk out, lock the doors, put the bolts on. So now they know what fucking time of day it is, man. Do you know what I mean? I've walked up to the bar. There's a guy, like, you know, a knife where he's cutting lemons, picked the knife up like that, put it to the guy's throat, said, listen, you need to give me every fucking penny in the till, every penny you got upstairs, and I'm taking all your fags, right? Because, you know, they had all the cigarettes back in the day. So, like, they're all shitting themselves, crying, like, begging me. We got no money. We got nothing, blah, blah, blah. They send me a little pub. I don't care, mate. Whether you got a tenner in that fucking till, I'm taking it. Because I am an aggressive robber. That's kind of, that was my thing. That's what I turned myself into. So, that's what I'm saying. I'm like, mate, I'm having you. So, <laughs> I've got about 60 quid out of the till, they had about 400 quid hit upstairs, like, cause they was, uh, that's where I used to live. I was, you know, um, <clears throat> so I had that filled up 
fags like a black bag full of cigarettes. I've just walked out of this pub, fucking ran to, to St. Paul's. And this is, that incident was the reason I ended up going fucking crazy because I'd gone to this person with all these cigarettes. He said, right, I ain't got no cash, but I got a reboard gun, right? I got a reboard, yeah? I'll take that off you, bruv. We'll do that deal. We'll do that deal. Now, I'm a teenager with a dodgy fucking Beretta, right? I don't don't know if it fires. I don't give a fuck. I don't know if it's going to blow up in my hand. This is a reboard gun for some dodgy guy in St. Paul's in Bristol. You know what time of day. You know what I'm talking about. So I've I've got this reborn gun, man, and it's like someone snapped in me. It was like, that's it. I'm never sleeping on the streets again. I'm never having anyone mug me off again. You know, I went through a lot of shit when I was doing that homeless thing. A lot of shit, and I was treated quite badly. You know, getting pissed on and stuff. Yeah, yeah. People used to all horrible stuff like when I'm well, like, while you asleep. Well, I'm asleep. Yeah, yeah. You wake up and your bag's stinking of piss and you're like, well, it ain't me. I ain't bugging done it. Do you know what I mean? It's horrible. You know, you know what people are like pissed up on a Saturday night. You see a homeless guy. I didn't give a fuck. So I had that mentality in me. So I've got all this fucking, this piece of shit of a gun for a <laughs> bunch of cigarettes. And I, I, it is that. That's the only way I can say it, Sean. It's a piece of shit of a gun. But it triggered something in me, man. And I was doing... You just felt cash- powerful. Yeah, I it. felt really powerful, man. Like the first time you'd had the a gun? Real, the first time I'd seen a gun, a real one. You know, I'd had fucking air pistols and stuff like that as a kid. But this was a real fucking gun with real smarties in it. You know what I mean? So... When we wake up in the morning, we get out of bed and we start our day with Koro Snacks. Koro is a healthy snacks brand focusing on bringing additive-free natural ingredients to their customers with fair prices in bulk packaging. They have everything from nut butters to free from baking ingredients to cooking essentials and, of course, the snacks. Look what's in this, gem. It's a vegan power mix from Koro. So we have a mixture of nut kernels, dried fruit... Cacao nibs, soy crispies, and hemp seed pulled. What are these little red ones? Wait. Look at this beer. Mmm. Mmm. That's good. Fresh and healthy. So what makes Coro special in comparison to others? Coro's quality management team carefully and regularly reviews the quality of their products. For a 5% discount on Coro's products, use the code TRUECRIME with no space in between true and crime. The link to Coro's online shop is in the description box on YouTube. Thanks for supporting our sponsor. You know, you fuck with me, I'm going to fucking put an old in you. That was kind of where my brain was at that point. So I've got a big heron habit. I've got a crack habit, right? I've got a gun. I've got nowhere to live. You know, that's 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 a quad you don't really want to be messing with. So I started, I used to stalk people, first of all. And when I say stalking them, I'm not all about stalking women. I mean, if I'd saw someone, I think I'm robbing you. I would follow them to, you know, wherever they're walking to their house, to their car, whatever. Do you know what I mean? I'd fucking pull this gun out of them. Don't bother. I'll fucking shoot you. They'd give me their, their money. They'd give me their wallets, whatever. I'd go off and spend it. Happy days, fucking happy days. 
unfortunately, whilst I was doing that, my drug habit was was climbing and climbing and climbing. So I'm needing more and more and more money. So, and this is what led up to my... Uh, Your getting, brain's getting more scrambled yeah, by the drugs. Yeah, and this is what led up to the 10 and a half years. I went to a cash point in Broadmead. It used to be opposite the Odeon, up the hill, right? Up the hill, you got the hill to... Um, Council Park, there's a cash point there. Put a gun to the guy's, into his ribcage there. Give me all the fucking money you can get at this cash point now. I'd scared him so much, he genuinely couldn't put his pin number in. I just, it scared him so he'd shitting himself at this point. Couldn't get any money out. A normal guy would go, do you know what? We'll, we'll fuck that, we'll run off and go somewhere else. I didn't think like that. I'm thinking... You're going to have money at your yard. So now I've taken this guy. This is the madness of me, Sean. In a taxi. In a taxi to the guy's house. Told the taxi to wait outside. So this taxi's waiting outside. I've gone into this guy's house. And eat uncle, nephew in the house watching a Liverpool game. Just sat there watching the football. I walked in with this guy, like, gun in his back, and he's going, I need money, I need money. And they're like, what, do you need to pay for the taxi? Not realising, so I've had to go click-clack, so they knew what time of day it was. All of a sudden, they've realised what's happening, they're running around, I'm like, right, you tie you up, you tie you up, and you, I've got you tie you up, right? So I've got three of them tied up, and the original guy that I, that I tried to rob. <laughs> so... I'm going around the house. I'm collecting jewelry, gold, bit of fucking diamonds, every cash card that I could collect. And I'm saying to them, you need to give me the pin numbers. If you don't give me the pin numbers, I am going to kill him. It's as simple as that. What's going to happen now? We are leaving this house. I am taking him with me. If I go to the cash point and I can't get money out of any of these cards, he's not coming back. It's as simple as that. You know, Sean, I don't know whether I would have done that, right? I don't know. But my head was crack. It was in the crack zone. I didn't give a fuck, mate. There could have been 40 people in that house. I still would have done it. I just had that thing where I'm like, mate, I don't give a fuck, bruv. You lot have got money. You lot are living a better life than me. I'm on the fucking streets. I deserve to take your money. Because that's what my brain was fucking telling me. So I've got them tied up. I've got four cash cards. Gone to the cash points. All four cards got money out. So I've got about a grand in my hand now. So I'm feeling quite good about myself. But I'm greedy. I'm greedy. Have to take it to the next step. So we've got as much as we can out. I've taken him to a shop. Tom, buy me some cigarettes. And I want £100 cash back as well. All right? So I'm in the shop. Now, he must have signaled to the shop guy. He must have, like, said... I think it come out that he actually... The guy in the shop actually knew who he was. And he knew someone was up. And he kept saying, oh, he can't do it. So I've bolted. I've just bolted off, like, you know what I mean? I've gone on my own fucking merry way. Spent that money, crap, heroin. Having a great time, enjoying myself. Don't worry about anything. Run out of money. I go to do the exact same thing again. The exact same thing. I go to a cash point. The same cash point. Go to, almost, (laughs) almost. 
go to rob someone at a cash point. They weren't having it. They weren't having it. They fucked me over, put me on my ass. There's about four of them. Put me on my ass. They had me. So now I'm done. I've got a firearm on me. So can you slow, 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 slow this yeah. down? Yeah. Slow this down. Yeah. You approach the cash point. Yeah. You I see four the people, cash point. There's, there's four people four together. People at the cash point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What do they look like? Just, you know, like you or you. Or, you know, so four just, men. Just four, four men. men. Yeah, just normal. Did you think the, num- the numbers were against you? No. Not at all. How did you approach four, four people like that then? What did you say? Give me your fucking money or I'm going to shoot your friend. This guy goes, no, you won't. Uh, <laughs> so I've gun, I've whipped, gun by Pistol whipped. Pistol whipped. Yeah. Him. Now, Sean, that is the only time I've ever hit anyone in a robbery. Right? That's the only time I've ever had to actually physically go fucking hold that. You. Um, so I've, I've pistol whipped him, but I think they'd realise at that point, he ain't going to shoot this gun. Of course I'm fucking not. I'm nuts, but I'm not that nuts. I'm not going to fucking shoot you, am I, man? I don't want to get lifed off. I'm not that much of an idiot. So they've literally, as soon as I've done that, they've all realised what time of day it was. They twisted me up and they just sat on top of me until till the police come. So I'm I'm going to the police station, um, Trinity Rose, classic. So, <laughs> so I've gone to Trinity Road Police Station in Bristol. As I'm being booked in for attempted robber in possession of a firearm, this copper looks at me like that and he's gone, we're looking for someone with the same MO. He said, we reckon it's you. We're looking for someone for kidnap, firearm, armed robbery. I'm like, no, 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 don't worry about it. It can't be. It can't possibly be. It can't possibly be. And you know when the police, they're talking... And it's like they're retelling my story from like two weeks previous. So I knew at that point it's fucked. Now my solicitor's coming. Now don't forget, I've already been to prison for robbery, Sean. So, and back then it was the two strike law, right? It went from two strike law to IPP back to two free strikes, whatever it is now. So there was a chance of me getting lifed off. So my solicitor is coming and going, you're going to get life. You're going to get life. You need to fucking, you need to sort something out here. Your time's done. Right. And I'm just a fucking kid, man. <laughs> I'm just a kid. Um, so I'm like, right. Um, no comment, no comment, no comment, no comment it all the way through because, you know, took it to trial as well against the, uh, the, the advice of my, Queen's Council, my QC, against the the advice of my one and only solicitor. I've had the same solicitor my entire life. They both said no. They said I would get top double figures. I got 10 years, six months, 27 days, right, for armed robbery, possession of firearms, false imprisonment, kidnap, false imprisonment, false imprisonment, and attempt robbery for that other, that other little thing there. Um, yeah, so I got 10 and a half years, but when I was getting my sentence, I got 10 years, 10 years, 10 years, 10 years, four years, four years, four years, four years, six months, 27 days, right? Don't ask me what. So I'm sat there thinking, stood there thinking, well, I've just been sentenced for about a hundred years. That's me, isn't it? And he'd gone, right, we're going to run it all concurrent apart from the, so you got 10 years, then they run uh, consecutive, the six months, 27 days. So I ended up doing 
It's 10 and a half years, but it's not actually, it's actually 11 years I ended up serving. Like, so I ended up doing just under nine years behind the door. First, first big bit of sentence. I had no one, I had no support. I had no, no family coming to see me. So what did I do when I was in there? Taking visits for people, you know, making and keeping my habit rolling. Let's slow it down. Let's slow it down. Right. So you've been sentenced. Mm. How long have you been on remand for? 11 months. Yeah, right. 11 months. Right. Sorry, yeah. At, at the beginning of that remand period then, did you crash down from the drugs or did you source drugs inside? No, I was sourcing drugs the whole time I was in there. I was actually in there when there was a, a gang in there, the Aggie crew they called. I know a lot of them from Bristol. They're, they're old school like me. And basically, because they all thought I was getting life, they funded my habit for, for the whole time I was on remand. When you say so funded? Gave it me for free. What, gave it me for free. What, what, why would they do that? One, because I know them, like we're from the same ends. And two, they just, they couldn't believe I was going to get a life sentence. They out just, out of respect. Yeah, it was a respect thing. Do you know what I mean? We're like, well, you know, we know he's a bit of a nitty, as they call, call the guys in the UK who do drugs and shit in jail. But they knew at the same time that I was a guy, if they knew they needed to come calling, they know, they know I'm going to go in a cell and fuck a man up for them. So, yeah. Did they ask you to put in work? Yeah, I put in a few, I put in a couple of, couple of times, I had to go in with a flask and serve someone up, not hot water in them, but give them a good smack down, Sean. Drug debts. I did like, yeah, I did like to do that. I'm not going to lie. You know, that was, I was getting free drugs. I was getting a workout. And they'd put money straight into my bank account. I know. I, sorry, I don't mean to sound so so heartless about it, but I have. I told you I've come here to lay it down. Yeah, I've come down to lay it down. In it, this is this is what I come here for. Like when you say straight into your bank account, then isn't that evidence? No. Everyone gets money put into bank accounts. That's how it's sure. done these days. There's, every, there's no. You can't go in jail and buy drugs for canteen anymore. Hardly anyone does that. Hardly anyone. There'd be an odd few. Mostly, it's straight. Get your people to put it into my bank. It's as simple as that. Yeah, people just put it into the bank. Because where I was at, there was like a thing called street to street. So if I owed you, my missus on the street met your missus and gave her cash. (laughs) Then there's no evidence. That was, there's a few guys used to do that uh, visits. Uh, your missus coming up this week. My missus coming up. Meet her in the car park. Coincidence. Pay that off. Bum, bum, bum. Yeah. Done. Otherwise, you can have Paul come in to see it, yeah. Or Simo, as he used to call me back then. But now it's all just online transactions. Yeah, all <laughs> online transactions. It's mad, isn't it? It's, it's mad. And, and these, these transactions are so small, so regular, you'd think that they'd be picked up, but they're not picked up. They're not picked too up. Too many of so There's too many. And that is the, genuinely, that's the problem. If you think there's 85,000 people in the prison system, somewhere around about that, yeah? And say... 10,000 of them, right? They're all shot in. They're selling drugs. They got money going into the banks every single bloody day. Who's going to pick up on it? It's, it's, you know, everyone's got a side hustle now. And so bank, banks don't pick up on it, but it's the safest way to, to sell your drugs in jail now is bank transfers. No one's getting their hands dirty. No one's getting in debt unless, you know, you can convince them to, uh, oh yeah, my missus will do it tomorrow for you you know there are people who do that and end up getting smacked for it but mainly yeah mainly now it's all it's all tech in it it's all you know 2022 man so leading up to the trial did the family who you kidnapped identify you yeah um 
So, we'll go back to that. You're going to have to do a bit of editing. <laughs> Let's keep the names out. Yeah, absolutely. I won't say any names at all. So, um, what was the question again? I'd Did say. the uh, family you kidnapped? Yeah. So, when I was in court for, for, I was on trial, and they were all there, or every single member of the family were in court, and they all gave evidence apart from one. And what it was that really, I knew I'd been found guilty at this point when the uncle stood up and he said these words, Sean. So my, my QC was like, how can you be so sure it's my client? You know, after drilling him and he's gone, because every time I go to sleep at night, I see those eyes staring back at me. I will never forget those eyes. I may as well have just gone, dun, 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 guilty because Everyone, they just look at you instantly. The jury were like that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, I can see it. I can see it now, right? And, yeah, so they were in court. They were very happy that I was sentenced to, you know, double figures. Anyone's going to be happy with that, getting a man sent away for, you know. How did it feel for you to face them in the courtroom? I didn't care at that point. You were still on the drugs. Yeah, I was on the drugs. I was using in the courts, man. I was like, I was, I, was, I had a, I, I, I was running foil or, or um, gear on foil literally about 10 minutes before I give evidence. I, I just didn't care. So you didn't feel remor- remorseful at all? No, I didn't feel remorse at all. At all. At that point, I had no remorse for anyone or anything. You've got to understand, I was a kid who got fucked over constantly. Why would I feel guilt for people when I saw it as no one gave a shit about me? And this is what people need to understand about the root causes of crime. Because mm. if you can stop the childhood trauma, you can stop the criminality. Yeah, absolutely. But the government doesn't address it. No, they don't address it. Uh, uh, you know, a bit of self-publication. I run like the non-active approach. My approach to recovery is dealing with the underlying issues, right? It's some, it's different from everyone else. You can't, everyone can't do the same recovery, but it doesn't work. So yeah, we deal with, definitely deal with taking, dealing with what it is that led you up to that point. The root cause. Mm-hmm. So you, you click in with the big names then and they put you into some missions. When you're going on these missions, and like you said it was like a workout for you. Did you have no fear? No, man. Did I you loved just go it. in? You enjoyed it? Yeah, I loved it. I, I did love violence, man. I don't know how to put it in any, any other way, really. I, I did love it. Loved what what does, did the violence give you? Give me a sense of... It's really weird, but it's like gives you a sense of you're on top someone's you know like at power. least there's someone below me because you've been so down yeah. you finally have yeah. that power and, and and these are big guys in the jail coming and asking me for help fucking right on yeah of course i'm gonna help you man you're the boy what you're gonna put money in my you, you don't even need to put money in my account but i'll have it thank you look thank you it's unfortunately that's the hierarchy of prison man it is that sort of hierarchy you've got your levels and active users they don't even come onto the radar, unfortunately. We are looked at, were looked at as, you know, just scum, just, you know. Did any of those missions go wrong? Yeah, yeah, one. Are you able to, are you able to talk about it? <laughs> um, a little bit. I can, yeah, a little bit. So I, I, uh, I was asked to go sort this guy from Plymouth, you know, Bristol, Plymouth, you know, it's mm. local, not local, but West Country. We don't like you. So, yeah, they've sent me in <laughs> to turn this guy over. They said, just go give him, just give him a one bang. I give him, I swear to God, Sean, I put a lot of power into this bang. He didn't even know it. Didn't shake him, mate. What, what did he look like? He's just like, like, like a 
guy about five foot six, mad curtain, and swilly haircut. They call it the swilly bob. Yeah, everyone from Swilly and fucking Plymouth's got it. He looked like a bit of a plum, right? <laughs> he wasn't a fucking plum, Sorry. Sean. Oh, I thought you put... Oh, <laughs> Yeah, he, he, looked, he looked like a bit of a plum, to be honest with Sean. And I plum. fucking whacked him, mate, and he didn't move, and he beat the shit out of me. Yeah, yeah, he beat the shit. He got it, you know, he got it back. Like, he got fucked up later on. I still got fucking what I was supposed to get, because I gave him the one bang. I wasn't expecting him to come back and go, right, now you're fucked, mate. Because, you know, that's what happens. That's real life. So was he into martial arts or anything? No, no. He just, he's, he was a bit of a boxer, bare boxer. knuckler. Do you know what I mean? No one, you don't fucking know. I'm a street fighter, mate. You know what I mean? I had a lot of weight behind me. I'm a big guy now, but I used to be so much bigger. You know, I was almost 22 stone in what? gym weight. I actually got a photo. I'll show you. I've got, his, yeah, I've got his hair. I brought it with me because I thought you'd be Holy interested. Yeah, yeah. I was a big, I was a monster of a dude. Do you know what I mean? Like I said, I used to do weights every couple of days. I was doing fitness with, uh, like I said, with Ronnie, Ronnie Junior, uh, senior, Ronnie Southern senior, doing stuff with him. Um, I got into a guy with a guy. I won't mention his name, but he's known as the butcher of Melksham. Killed his parents. Right, I've done a lot of bird with this guy, and Richard he's. Moucher. I'm trying to think who that is. You'll now. know him. You'll definitely know. It. It's so easy to. <laughs> and he's in that photo. He's actually in the photo. I want to see this photo now. <laughs> so yeah, I was in with him, and he's like, you know, he was next level. He taught me a thing or two about martial arts, and just not giving a fuck really. Just like you shouldn't be afraid to get a slap. That's what he always told me. No, like, it's a slap, mate. You get out from a slap. You can't get out from a gun or a knife, but you get out from a slap no matter what. So, yeah. So, in the 10 years, did you have any awkward pad mates? I don't, I never had pad mates. You were always on your own? I was single cell only. Yeah, Sweet. yeah. Kidnap, kidnap, arm robberies, mental health issues. All of that puts you in a situation where you're like, we're not going to put this guy in a cell with anyone. And because I was, um, serving a long, lengthy sentence, so yeah, I did, I did pretty much, I reckon I did about 20 of the 22 years I did away. 20 was in a single cell, two years maybe I spent in with, but they never lasted. The cellmates I wouldn't last because I'm particular. I like what I like. I don't like what I don't like. And I didn't care if I'd literally, you'd go off to work. You'd be my padme. You'd go off to work. I'd kick back. I know I feel a bit rough. Pack his shit, put it outside of his cell and go, Boss, he's been evicted. It's as simple as that. He ain't coming back in. If he's coming back in, I'll fucking break his jaw. So, and then the screws are like, well, we don't need that going on. So, yeah, I was just handed up as high-risk cell share. So, it was quite easy not to have to... Let's go through your journey through the prison system then, in order it happened. So, after you sentenced, where did they send you? So, I went from Bristol. I was on remand for uh, like 11 months. I went from there to um, Loudoun Grange. Now, Loudon Grange, the DCAT, private, never been to a private before. Very interesting gel. It's just a bit too much, too long for me. It's, you were open 9am till, till 9pm or 7 till 7, something like that. You were open at a long time in the day. I asked them to transfer me. They weren't really up for transferring me, you know, because I had so much, so long left. So why did you want to be open for 12 hours? Because, <clears throat> The weird thing about prison is this. You want your day to go as quick as possible. 
being open all day, you might think, oh, no, that's saying you're not banged up. But banged up, it, it's, it, it just goes, time just it flies by. You're in your own little space. You're in your own world. No one's doing your head in. When you're in a jail, unlocked for that amount of time, you're just sort of wandering around. It was just a nightmare. So I'd asked them about three times to transfer me. I was being very polite. Usually, Scrooge used to get the one. You know, I'll ask you once. So I've asked them three times, are you going to transfer it? They said, no, no, you've just started your sentence. You're going to be here for years. You know, giving it that. So I've gone from my cell just before bang up. So they're going around banging everyone up. I've gone, excuse my boss, I just need to go do something. I've gone down to the broom cupboard, snapped a mop handle straight in half, gone to the first screw I could see, grabbed him by his hair, put that, and I said, you need to tell your fucking people to get off the wing now. All the screws, they left him. His colleagues left him with me, right? They just left him, right? They banged everyone up. I said, mate, you got two choices. Right, I'm going to let you go now. You better fuck off. They fucked off, locked me on the wing. Just me on my own, rioting on a wing. It's fucking beautiful. Absolutely <laughs> beautiful. Smashing everything up apart from the phones. You don't fuck with the phones because prisoners use those, right? So, you know, respect the boys. But the servery went in. I smashed that up. The office set that on fire. Um, put liquid like soap on all the stairs because I knew the spots that they were coming in. They had the, the double tables, so tables with the chairs, flipping them up, putting them against the all the doors, all the exits. I was drinking hooch, smoking gear, just having a bit of a fucking party, bit of a party on my jacks. Yeah, just <laughs> like, and I'm like, see, now you're gonna shit me out, ain't you? <laughs> now you're gonna fucking shit me out. <laughs> one thing of that night I remember more than anything because I was quite drunk you can imagine um, uh, they, there's like they have spy holes right in the roof when there's right so they can put the cameras in so they can film you doing whatever you're doing I just remember this one female officer saying Mr Simmons what is it that you want I go a blowjob wouldn't go amiss to be honest with you I always remember that comment, it made me chuckle when they were twisting me up and really violating me, taking me to the block. Because, you know. I would pay to see the CCTV that day. Uh, <laughs> and this is a funny thing, Sean. It was a private nick. I never lost a day. Never wow. lost a single day. You know what? Because they don't want to report it. They don't want to report it. Because they get penalised if there's more incidents. They do. Ah, they get they more do. money if they keep it incident-free. They do. So your secret party won't move out. Yeah, it's on my it's on my nomis files because you can see it. It actually says he run a mock on the wing for several hours. That's all it says. But you know, <laughs> we all know what happened. Yeah, yeah. So I like literally like. Went completely nuts. And from there, I did about two months in the block. What's the block like now? Uh, it's just a bed. Just a bed. No, no, nothing. No, nothing. Read a book if you can read. That's, that's, that, you know, that's your lot. And you get a bit of exercise and shit like that. But yeah, it's just block time. So I was, I was actually, I'd started to do my degree by that point. Even though I was crazy, I was going back to my cell at night and studying, Sean. Right, this is the madness of where I was. Smashing screws up, smashing people up, going back, 
doing a degree in health and social care. They'd look through my cell at night, they'd see me studying away, <laughs> thinking, what? <laughs> it really pissed them off when I got that degree as well. I bet. Honestly, it really pissed them off because they knew I'd chosen to act that way. It wasn't like a lot of kids in jail where they just, they, they, they got no control. You know, violence, my violence was chosen violence. That's why the ETS courses, the, the calm courses that they do in prison, no good for someone like me because it's not erratic behavior. It's planned. I've identified a target. I've decided what to do and that's it, mate. We're going for it. Let's have it. What's the risk? Jail. What's the risk? Getting fucked up. That's it. And that's, that was my brain. So all of those courses, I did them, but they were no good for someone like me because, you know, it's just manipulation on top of manipulation. So they're never really getting true, true scale of my, what, what I was really thinking. So what was the next one? Garth, HMP Garth. Now, like I said, that was the, the Manx and the Scousers. They were just fucking. Where is Garth then? Garth's. Near Blackpool. Near Blackpool. Yeah, so you're going out that way. It's a really old, yeah, it's not a nice gel, really. It's a bit messy. Food everywhere outside of the windows, you know, and they don't have anyone outside to go clean it up. So it's all rats and it's not great. Honestly, it's like the worst, the worst gel I've been to for just the grot factor. It was HMP Garth. It was a grotty gel. But like I said, the guys there were sound and they used to give me Lots of stuff. Any trouble? No, no, not one bit of trouble there at all. I think they liked me. They had no idea where Bristol was. <laughs> Literally, they're like, I'm not Bristol. There's what? Is that near London? Yes. I'm like, all right, yeah, yeah, it's near <laughs> yeah. London, mate. It's yeah. near London. Like a hundred miles away, but near London, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. So, where was after the. So, I went from Garth. I kicked off there because I wanted to transfer out. It was just too far away, too far away from the West Country. So, how did boys. you kick off there? I went on a hunger strike. So I'd done the, I'd done the, the smashing up the, the gel on one gel. She sent me to another gel and I went on a hunger strike. I did three weeks without eating. I just was on water. Three weeks staunched it out, mate. I didn't give a fuck, mate. I'm like, mate, you either shit me out, otherwise you're going to be posting me out the back door in a bag, right? It's that, it's that mindset that I used to get in there, Sean, because there was no point smashing them up. I tried that. It didn't work. It doesn't get you anywhere. So you have to do the things that cause them the most annoyance. What causes them the most annoyance going on hunger strike, which means they have to keep an eye on you pretty much 24 seven. They have to take you to healthcare every day for urine samples because they need to see if your insides are breaking down. Cause obviously your, 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 your body starts breaking down from the inside first. I lost a shitload of weight, but I got transferred. I got, I went to Parkhurst. So it's, you know. How did you deal with the craving for hunger? It's terrible, man. But I was just, it's really weird because people offered me food. Man's used to come to my cell offering me chocolate and all sorts. I'm like, I ain't eating it, mate. I'm not eating it because if I eat it and they notice it, that I've eaten in my piss, then I fuck myself over. So I was like, no, no, I'm not eating anything until I've got it signed on a dotted line that I'm getting transferred. Soon as they said, yeah, you, you know, you're on the next bus to so-and-so, I was like, sweet. All right, point me to the fucking surgery, mate. I'm hungry. Were you but, dreaming about food by that point? Oh, it was crazy. It was crazy, man. I was so hungry, Sean. But like I said, it was that mindset of I, I know what I'm doing. I know it's not going to kill me. 
I was drinking water, you know what I'm saying? So, you know, as long as you drink water, your body's a really fucking powerful thing. It can, you can make it go through so much. We hope you enjoyed the podcast. This is a word from our sponsor. Jen, it's that time of the year when people are stuffing themselves with food and the sun's not out and vitamin deficiencies occur. You said that you were on some vitamins, but you were overdosing yourself. I honestly was taking up to 10 tablets a day, not knowing if they were giving me any health benefits at all. So now finding Vital has proved absolute wonders for me. Fill in a short online consultation about your diet, health goals and lifestyle and Vital will create a tailored made pack just for you. To get a free two week trial of personalized vitamins, head to vitl.com and use the code Sean, S-H-A-U-N, at checkout. Link is in the description box below this video. So Jen, how easy is the Vital website to use? So with a few simple steps, it can tell you what you are lacking in nutrients. So for me, it was my skin, sleep, and stress. <laughs> so mm. now after four days of use, I'm already seeing an improvement. So well done, Vital. Thanks for supporting our sponsor. Now back to the podcast. So yeah, just drinking a bit of water and you, and and I was fine. Like three weeks, three weeks, two days, something like that, until they folded. And they always fold. <laughs> they always fold. What was your reception like at the next one? Um, as soon as I got to the problem was I I got shipped out to go to Parkers, but they stopped halfway at Woodhill. They didn't tell me we were stopping at Woodhill. So I've got to Woodhill reception, fucking fuming. So no, 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 I ain't fucking staying here. Never been to Woodhill. Didn't know it was a cat A holder for like some of the most serious criminals in the country at the time. So I've gone there. They're going, oh, you don't want to go to the wing. All right. They just banged me in the reception room. For well, that's fucking easy. Was not. No, 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 no. Then you just heard them coming. Just fucking loads of screws. They come, twisted me up, carried me. And like I said, I was about 20 odd stone at this point carried me to the block, threw me in a cell, said, you should have gone to the fucking wing, shouldn't you, boy? And that was that. That was that. I was there for about a week whilst waiting to get to, to the next step of my journey to Parker. So, Do you know who else was in there? Um, there was a couple of crazy boys in, in uh, Woodhill at the time. I don't really know. Like I said, I didn't do the landings at that point. I'd literally reception, carried to the block, and I was there until they were like, yeah, 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 your, your transport, so you're going to Parkhurst. And I was like, oh, thank fuck for that. Got to Parkhurst and, you know, at that point, Parkhurst had the wing that held Joe, Joe Bloggs's supergrasses. They had that supergrass wing there and it was all like top of like these secret guys. No one even knew what their name was. They were Joe Bloggs, one, two, three, four, all the way through. So I got there, it was a serious gel. And they're like, we know your story. We know you've come from this, but we advise you now to buck your ideas up and start fucking towing the line. And that was the first gel where I properly thought, oh, I better start being like behaving myself here because I was hearing people were doing like a year in the block, two years in the block, just not getting out. Parkers was that sort of a spot. How old are you at this point in the story? So I'm now 22, 22, 23. You know, still like young, young kid, really, really. Still a young kid. Not even a year into my sentence, I'd already done like three or four gels. 
it's not looking good, Sean. <laughs> it's not looking good at all. So, yeah, I, they transferred me. And the way I got out of Parkhurst, I put in for accumulated visits. Now, if you don't get visits, you can save your visiting orders up and go to your local jail. Silly mistake for Bristol, really, because once I got there, <laughs> I wasn't going back to Parkhurst. That, that, that was never in my plan to go back there. So I was there for accumulated visits. I didn't have anyone to visit me, Sean. I didn't have no one, but, you know, they didn't know that at the time. So I'd got there, bang on 28 days, behaved myself, bang on 28 days, you're supposed to go back. I knew that, so I'd sat in my cell, got my socks, two tins of tuna in one sock, two tins of tuna in the other sock, sat on the bed, just sat there like that. Screw looked through the flat, scurried off, scurried off, sent another screw back to my cell who knew me, who got on with me and he's like, right, Simo, what's going on here? I'm like, you're coming to take me to tell me I've got to go back Parkhurst, isn't it? It's like, yeah. I said, well, let me just tell you this. The first one who comes in, we'll be getting a smash jaw with one of these, right? Then they all like, they, what they try to do is fear you. Then they fear you into, look, you're, gonna, you're going anyway. You're only ever going to get twisted up. We're going to get you on the bus. It's all blah, blah, because they're shit scared of like people doing a bit of bird. So um, I've sat there and the governor's come and he's gone, right, Simone, I'm not liking what you've done. You know, we're not agreeing with it, but we're going to let you stay. But we're going to give you a cat C, right? So I was a cat B at the time, Parker's all right. We're going to recategorize you to a cat C as long as you go where we want you to go. They're going, yeah, sweet. So I'm going to Dartmoor. Yeah. It's the worst cat C in the country. I knew that's where I was going. There's, there's, I, I knew. Do you know what I mean? So I didn't even, I, they didn't even get a chance to say it. I'm going, so like Dartmoor then, yeah, like, you ain't stupid. So I went to Dartmoor and I ended up serving like down there for like four years, four and a half years. Isn't it cold, old? Just... Man, you've got fog that comes into your cell. Now, you would think, <laughs> nah, mate, you're chatting shit. Fog comes into your cell. You wake up and you look. And there's like this little thin layer of fog. And you're like, what the fuck? Where am I? Princetown, that's where you are, mate. Yeah, fucking Princetown. It can be hot, cold, rainy. I was there in 2007 when the big snows came in. Screws were stuck in a jail for four days. They couldn't go home. Because I don't know if you've ever been down, down to Dartmoor. It yeah. is far and it's all lanes and all back fucking. It's crazy down there. Have you so, been there? No. You don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to. I behaved myself there. That's the first jail where I started to go, right, you're doing this fucking degree. Let's actually put some work in, put the effort in and start. And that was kind of my first start. Even though I got out. And I did another sentence. I got EPP after. Um, even though I got, I, I was still, I had something in my head that was telling me this life ain't really for me. But well, was, how hard was that to maintain? Really, really hard because I didn't maintain it. It didn't last. Were you that, tested in Dartmoor? Yeah, um, I was being drug tested. All t- I got to about twenty-one drug tests uh, negative, so I'd managed to. That's like forty-two weeks. So, you know, every other week. So I did really well. I did really well. And I was clean for a hot minute. Did the 12-step program in Dartmoor. 
smashed it because I was doing them a bit clean time. Got given my cat D, went to HMP Lay Hill. About an hour, I reckon I was there. About an hour. I was in a cell having a boot, having smoking heroin on the foil mm. straight away after all of that clean stuff. It's just because all of a sudden you're in a place, you've got, you're in a jail with no fences. So I could have just walked off anytime I wanted to. Um, <clears throat> everyone's got drugs. Everyone, you know, it's drugs everywhere. So, you know, you, they send you there to test you. And I failed that test fucking miserably. So, so bad. I was just using every day. I was selling gear there. So I was bullying people, you know what I mean? For my fucking money. I want my fucking money. Don't take the piss. Sat, I'd been in that um, lay hill for maybe three weeks. Sat with a friend of mine. (laughs) Sat with a friend of mine in the dining dining room, right? So this is how they get you in lay hill. You'd be sat there eating your, it's a proper dining room and proper everyone eats together. You'd be sat there, all of a sudden, Screws walks in, grab my mate Charlie. Right, you're getting shipped out. Gone, in a bit, Charlie, laughing at him as he's got shipped out. I'm still eating my food, enjoying myself. Fucking two minutes later, they come back, grab me. Say, <laughs> fucking funny bastard, isn't it? You're off as well. So, <laughs> so I got to reception and oh, my mate could just hear me kicking off. He's laughing his head off going, well, that's what you fucking get. <laughs> it, it was, it was an arranged move because we didn't go back to, um, local jails. We went from there to Earlstoke. Where's that? Uh, that's in Wiltshire. It's a cat sea. Decent gel, actually. It's mainly Bristolians. Well, yeah. it's mainly yeah. Bristolians. So, you know, I like it. It's kind of, it was right there. And I, yeah, I finished off my 10 and a half year sentence there. I finished the whole lot. I did eight years, 10 months, seven days. That's how much I served without a visit from a family member or friend. Right. So, um, I get out of there. Before that, it was was it drama free that period? Yeah, that I'm still using, still mm. using gear. I'm using gear every day, every day. But I wasn't getting into the bullshit, you know. I was, I just didn't, I didn't need it. I had lots of guys around me who knew me, knew how much bird I was doing. So they're kind of like, yeah, yeah, we're just, you know, they were looking after me. And were you making weapons throughout that uh, time? No, at that point, like I said, it was all fucking good. It was, it was all good. <laughs> All right, so you're getting released. Yeah, so I'm, uh, I got released from Earl Stoke. I got put in the hostel in Weymouth, uh, Western Hostel in Weymouth. Yeah, uh, in Weymouth, I was there for a bit. Met a girl, you know, I've been in jail for almost nine years, man. Met this traveler girl, she's really nice. Her dad said to me one thing. He said, I don't care, just no kids. Right, that's what he said. So I'm down in Weymouth enjoying myself. Staying clean, get this girl pregnant. Right? After about being out six weeks or something. Got really paranoid, run away, go into probation. I'm like, listen, you, I'm, you need to get me to a different hostel. Made up some bullshit excuse. Went up to a hostel in Trowbridge, Wiltshire. Had a one night stand with this girl. Right? Just a one night stand. Met someone, got into a relationship. I was into a relationship. I've been with her for about six months. Getting phone calls from this girl in Weymouth. She's pregnant. The girl I had a one night stand with, she's pregnant. 
So now I've got two pregnant women and I'm in a relationship. After serving almost nine years in prison, my brain just went into automatic meltdown. I'd literally, I was, you know, after a couple of phone calls, how's it usual? I know the dealers like, do you know what I mean? I'm like, right, drop some out of my house. Started doing the sneaky using, do you know what I mean? Because that's what addicts do. Sneaky, sneaky, not telling anyone anything. And it just got worse to the point that, you know, I was getting so much pressure from everyone. I went back to, like, I had full-on habit again. And so I was in Trowbridge Town Centre. This guy was trying to sell two brand new um HTC phones back in, you know, this is 2003. All right? No, no, 2010. Sorry, okay. 2003. 2003, 2010. 2010. There we go, 2010. So it's 2010. I see this guy trying to sell these phones. He's not having much luck. I've gone, mate, I know someone will have those phones off of you. You know what I mean, Sean? It's just that for me, that's a, it's just a graft. And it was a quick, e- supposed to be quick, easy graft, this uh, guy from Poland. So I've got one of these, it's like a lock knife, Stanley blade that you can take the, the, take the blade out of. So I've got this blade on me. I've taken him to a secluded spot. I said, yeah, we just got to wait for my man to show up. What he didn't realise, I'd actually phoned my dealer saying, mate, i got these brand new, two brand new phones. Do you want them? I've told him to meet me. I've seen my dealer ride past now. So I've got to pull my fucking knife out. I've already got the phones in my hand. Pulled the knife out. I go, mate, I'm going to fuck you up. And here's this guy's Polish, man. He was feeling like, he ain't feeling giving up his shit. So I've, gone like that Sean uh, across here like that now I am I'm lucky he's lucky and it says in the court docs this is what it went through three layers of clothing and literally just scratched him right down there it was a scratch now if he didn't have the coat on the jumper and the t-shirt on you know what would have happened yeah, 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 yeah. He would have been opened up like a tin of baked beans. So uh that had happened. I, I'd run off. Fucking, I was on the run for about two hours or summer. I was around some girl's house, smoking crack in her toilet. She didn't know. Seeing police, just seeing fucking loads of feds turn up outside this house. I'm like, knife. So I'd run out, stash the knife somewhere. Whatever you do, don't get caught with a knife, innit? So they've come through, da, 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 you're under arrest for... for uh, robbery. Um, it was robbery GBH and possession of a bladed article at the time. That's what it went to, but it got reduced to robbery and possession of a bladed article. Like I said, because it was only a scratch. Genuine luck. Genuine luck. You know what I'm, you know, it's genuine luck that this guy is today not fucking, you know, 10 feet, uh, six feet under, but yeah, so. I got nicked, got put on remand. Now I'm definitely thinking I'm getting lifed off now. It has to be. You know, the last time, you know, I've been at 18 months, 18 fucking months. And I'm looking at either life, IPP, or if I'm extremely lucky, EPP, which is extended license for public protection. So you go away for like a four-year sentence and they give you your license plus four years so I got out with a six and a half year license after I'd served about five years mm. 
using pretty much there's not much going on i gotta be honest through that whole through my whole epp because i had epp you know they could just turn around and take as many days as they want off of me it wouldn't have mattered and you know up until last year so i went away 2010 i came off license for that sentence last year so that's how long they had me you know real time Time to get your head fucking back in the game, right? Because all of a sudden I'm thinking, wow, I'm getting out. They've put me back in Weymouth again. Same hostel, same situation. So I was fucking thinking in it, do you know what I mean? So I've got this fucking license wrapped around me. I'm trying so hard to stay out of trouble, Sean. Met a girl who's now my missus. You know, we've got two kids together and stuff. Met this amazing fucking woman in Weymouth. She's like, right, I'm taking you back to Swindon with me. You know, most people come back from holiday with a stick of rock. She bought a six foot four mixed race fucking ex-arm robber to live in Swindon with her. Her family were so happy. They're so happy. They were buzzing. Oh, they were buzzing about that. So I was clean. I was doing really well. Unfortunately, members of her family are users as well and you know we've got around each other like you just gravitate it's real fuck the story you have heard this story a million times from a million different prisoners it's the same story so like i said i've got this big license so do i go back to doing robbery sean no i can't do fucking robbery so i can't rob anyone so i've gone to what i what i'd think is like minor crime sort of shoplifting I was doing that for a bit. I was getting away with it. In 2017, I went shoplifting. Now, I had my rucksack. Now, I was straight. I had vinegar in there. I had needles in there. Vinegar is like a cutting agent for heroin if you ain't got citric acid or something like that. It's a quick and easy trick. So, I had that in my bag. I've gone to TK Maxx in Swindon. Gone in there to do a bit of grafting. Night before my missus' birthday. She'd literally said to me an hour before these words... I can't believe I'm going to wake up with you on my birthday. That's what she said to me. God's honest truth. She said that. Went TK Maxx, picked up a few bits, gone to walk out. They've grabbed me, right? I'm on EPP, Sean, right? So they've taken me to the back room. I'm trying to play it cool, like not stressing about it, not worrying, trying to give them the black false name and all that. I've got all false names on lock. I've got dates of birth, addresses on lock, right? Other friends of mine, same colour skin, right? Who don't, who don't get into trouble. They've turned around and said, we're going to give you a banning order. All you need is to show us your ID. I've gone shoplifting. I ain't taking ID shoplifting with me, am I? Not anyone's ID. So they've gone, right, we need to phone the police. Straight away, my brain's gone into fucking overdrive like that, phoning the police. And they've gone, right, what have you got in your bag? So I'm pulling stuff out. And I've realised i got that vinegar in my bag. Now, Sean, this is a time, 2017, everyone was getting acid thrown in their faces, right? That was a big thing at that time, literally at that time. So I've done that. So I've gone in my bag, I've untwisted the fucking bottles, a squeezy bottle, squirted vinegar right in the security guard's face, right? Right in his face. Now, this guy thought he was fucking getting acid thrown. You've got to imagine, it's burning his eyes. He's shitting himself. They both fucked me up. We wrote that like the security room off we wrote off between us we fucked it up right because i'm trying to get out they're trying to keep me in 
I end up going to fucking, they've gripped me straight away, probation, before I'd even fucking my ass had hit. The police station had recalled me. So I've gone straight back to jail. I did two years, two years straight. So a four-year sentence equivalent of recall for that. Got out from that. I just had to sort my fucking life out. And this is where the, like, the redemption side comes in. Because you know, I've got to have redemption in any fucking story. Any good one, anyway. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I got out from that. Um, my missus had said to me this, right? She said, me and the boys, man, we fucking love you. We fucking love you. But we ain't putting up with this no more. Man, I was selling TVs, my kids' fucking game stations. Now, this is real life. I'm a real true talker. You know, I'm not all this guy who's telling you I had millions of pounds stuffs underneath my fucking sofa. I had shit, mate. I'm skint to this day. I'm still skint. But so I was doing all that and she just put it to me. You know, you call it an ultimatum. Call it what you want. But it was a fucking spark in my brain that to this day, I've not done anything. Well I've done. not done Fuck all. The longest I've been out of prison, the longest I've been clean, I am now three and a half years clean and sober. Brilliant. You know, I run my own TikToks, you know what I mean? I run my own support groups. I'm doing talks all over the fucking place. Like I said, I've got an MP coming up, man, sitting down with a a knight of the realm to talk about addiction in the Swindon area. So how far, how hard are you finding it staying off it? Easy. Easy, easy, easy. And just to make you understand what situation I am, I'm in, where I live, straight opposite me, there's a house, a crack den, right? No jokes. Everyone knows because I'm like, I'm on social media. So everyone knows this is the truth. I've got that. I see people coming and going every single day who I used to use with. It doesn't bother me. If anything, I look at them real sad. I, you know, I try to give them the shouts, you know, I give them a shout. They don't want to hear it from me. They're not ready to hear it from me yet. But what I've managed to do is build a solid foundation. In, like I said, I've been, I've been on social media for about a year. And in that year, I've managed to do talks with football teams. Bristol Rovers have been really good to me. Amazingly good to me. I've done talks with football teams, uh, with the kids from the local estates. You know, I'm going back down there in January to do a knife awareness because our kids, um, a friend of mine's nephew got stabbed in Swindon last week uh, with a machete. He got stabbed through the back into his heart. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. It's all over the news right now. Uh, Owen Dunn, his name is, God rest his soul. 18 years old, 14-year-old killed him. Just been charged with murder, 14. You know, so that's why what I do now is so fucking important because yeah, yeah, yeah. I've done the madness. Yeah. I done, you know, my life was fucking crazy, but what I'm trying to do now is that's why I've come on your show, Sean, because I don't talk about my past on my show because my show is about inspiring people to stay clean and sober and sort out your fucking head. So it's been quite nice to this first time, genuinely the first time I've talked about the, the, the robbery stuff, the first time, since it happened. It's just been, I've had it unlocking my brain, just like, don't talk about it. It's for the book. That's what I would tell everyone. (laughs) It's for the book. You've inspired me, Sean. Mm. You know, so, yeah. You are an amazing speaker, Paul. So, how did you find out about us? Wow. I, I write prison diaries. I've been writing prison diaries from the, 
from my first sentence I started writing prison diaries. I've got a friend in Thailand from Bradford and Avon. Oh, get in. Big up Barney Allen. Um, and he lives in Thailand now. And what I used to, I used to post a few pictures, some of the pages of my diaries. And he's like, I know this guy, Sean Atwood. He writes books. <laughs> Crime and punishment's a real big thing right now. He said, I'm going to email him. So he emailed you. He was surprised that you emailed him back saying about the 10 point plan that I still haven't put together. You got to take, you got to choose your battles. So that was the first guy. And then my friend Simon, who lives in Poland, you know, it's like I said, social media is brilliant. Um, my friend Simon in Poland was like, mate, you've got to get on Sean Atwood. Get on Sean Atwood. Get on. Oh, you, follow, you, you followed me on TikTok. Blew my brain away. Literally, I had a major little mini fit. I was like, oh my God, Sean, he's actually followed me. And then I was just, you know, emailing it, man. Email, email, email. We set some times, you know, life gets in the way. And then, boom, I'm a believer now. I'm sorry. I'm a believer now of just, if you want something, do not hold back. I'm living my best life. Like, do you know what I mean? My missus is down in Wiltshire. Last night I was in Woking Town enjoying myself, you know, chilling in fucking an Airbnb. Do you know, living life that when I was sat in them cells on my own, fucking, you know, really hating myself, I never thought this, come on, man. When did you start your TikTok? Was that the first platform? Oh, no, I've been on Facebook since 2010. And I started... Um, just about 14 months ago, I started a Facebook group. You know, uh, it was something like Paul's uh, Addiction Recovery Group, something like that. I got 300 people on it. Not that's not for me, that, that wasn't working. That's not enough. That's not enough. A probation officer said to me, whilst I was on probation at the time, he said, why don't you try TikTok? He said, I do a thing and I get loads of views and I do like, like carpentry or something. I'm like, fuck you, you use probation. I ain't listening to fucking probation. <laughs> Once I got off probation and I'd cleaned it, I was like, right, let's try this TikTok thing. I literally set, I did started doing videos and it was just mad. It was, it's not like I get loads of views, Sean. I don't get loads of views, but what I get, it's, it's the, the, the comments. It's the content that people, you know, what they say. And it's like, I get words like inspiration. You know, when you're a ex armed robber to be told that you're inspiring someone else to get clean, to get sober, to stay out of jail. You can't buy that. There's, there's no amount of money that can you can buy that feeling. It's just, you know. So you've built a community around your TikTok. I literally have built a community around my TikTok. They come to my house and everything. Really? Yeah, yeah. I have TikTokers <laughs> regularly come to my house. Yeah, yeah. I had one a couple of days ago. What, coming drove, up on your door? Drove from up north to come down. No I do way. one-to-one sessions oh, that wow. I can do online. But some of them, they're like, nah, mate, I'm coming to see you. I'm coming to, and they, they turn up. I've got a guy who lives around the corner from me. It's so embarrassing. Walking my kids to school. <laughs> walking my kids to school. This, this is because it's TikTok, by the way, my voice doing that. Um, walking my kids to school. Oh, yo, 
Paul Addict, man, on TikTok, innit? I'm like, yeah, yeah, cheers, mate. <laughs> <laughs> what is your name on TikTok? It's Paul Addict Mentor. It was Paul Drug Mentor, but, you know, TikTok and algorithms and the word drugs and stuff like that, they were kind of kicking my ass. I've changed it. <laughs> and, like, my views have gone through the roof. They're, like, nuts. Like, I get, like, three and a half thousand people on a one-hour life. For me, when I've only got 12,000 followers, it's pretty oh, damn it's good. Yeah. You know, the numbers to my fo- it's mental. And I can tell, you know, where it's going. Uh, like I said, we're doing all of these talks. I'm sitting down with, with my local MP, Robert Butler. He doesn't know what's in the face, man. I got some <laughs> questions. What he doesn't know is I wrote to him when I was in prison on a recall. And he never wrote back to me. He never did. And so I've got him all to myself so I can ask him all sorts of questions. Just being filmed. I've got, he's allowing me to do it because he thinks I'm this guy who's really nice and doing something for the community, which I am. But I'm also blowing the lid lid because it's all about social media. It's all about building that community so I can get more and more and more people to get, get out of the drug game because it's a muggy game. Um, the one recovery system doesn't work. You can't, you can't have one recovery system. It's just fucking bullshit. You know, you can paint it as many ways as you want. NACA, fucking AA, whatever. It's 12 step. It's a 12 step program. Um, you know, I'm not going to slag it too much because it works for a lot of people, but there needs to be more choice. And that's where I come in. Cause I was going to ask what, uh, you know, what advice I, would you give to users? I run what I call the non active approach to recovery. So that deals with, your addictions, right? Your addictions. And I say that purposely because the one size fits all total abstinence for everyone. It's a myth, man. That's why only 1% of people complete it because it's a myth. You have to just, I say, you got a gambling addiction. I'm going to deal with your gambling addiction. You've got alcoholism. We're going to deal with alcoholism. If you've got cocaine addiction, we're going to deal with the cocaine and most probably alcoholism and the underlying issues and that's why my one-to-one sessions are kicking off they're amazing like you know 20 quid a session for an hour to sit with me and chat people paying it and i like literally it's really changing people's lives it's changing my life it's changing my kids lives everything is changed because i decided to put a video up on tiktok one day yeah well sean's a workaholic so how would you deal oh, with my. him mm. work addiction yeah uh, you can't, you can't get away from work addiction, man. It's one of the things that I love. I love it. You <laughs> must it's not going to create negative things no, in your life. Is it's it? always going to create <laughs> positive, create, hopefully success. Yes. success. <laughs> and the P, the money. <laughs> so, you know, let's have it right. I'm doing something for the community, but I'm also doing it to get out of the council estate. You know, I love the, my little flat in my part of the world, but I want more. I want what you've got. You're I'm hungry. Coming. I'm so hungry for it. Yeah. Oh, there's no joke. There's no joke. I got clean. That was hard, right? So I got clean. Now I want to do something. I can't use my degree to go and man a nursing home. I can't do that. It's not possible for me to do that because of my past. But what I can do is spread my knowledge, use my experience to really help people and make people understand that addicts every addict can get clean you're already ahead of me paul it took me five years we started the channel in youtube channel in 2007 it took me five years to get 2,000 subs 
Really? Yeah. Wow. I'm doing all right. Yeah. 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 I'm doing all right. And people watching this now will subscribe to you. All the links are in the description box. But I know the viewers have got something on their mind. And I'm surprised Jen hasn't asked this. Go on. You mentioned two people in this story. Can you think what I'm going to ask him? What happened with the pregnant women? Oh, shit. Oh, dude. (laughs) Right, yeah. So So, so they were both pregnant at the same time. So, yeah. Um... One was a bit of a car crash, unfortunately. What comes with car crash women, you know, what about social services and that. Um, the other one, I, yeah, he's an amazing kid. He's a teenager now. You're like, wow, he's good. Is he still over in Trowbridge? It, no, he's down in Weymouth still. He's down the one in Trowbridge didn't, unfortunately, like I said, unfortunately, that, uh, the woman was a bit of a car crash. I was a car crash at the time. You know, you got to take responsibility for what's yours. But, you know, he's going to be that age soon. I'm all over social media. He's going to find me. And that is the beauty of it. So you but haven't seen him since? So I haven't seen him. I've never seen him. Are you reaching out for him to yeah, get yeah, in absolutely. touch? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, Nate, you know you know me. I'm your daddy. Come check me out, man. <laughs> <laughs> and don't believe everything you read. <laughs> That's all I can say. Oh, well, the good stuff. Believe that. Well, I hope he finds you. Yeah, so, like, you know what I mean? It's like... You take the battles in life one one battle at a time, man. There's no point in me going, I want to do this, I want to do this, and I want to sort that out because you've got to prove yourself before like kids will, will take a chance on you. So that's what I'm doing that first. So I'm gonna, like I said, I'm getting my people out of where we are. I'm, I'm gonna keep going, gonna do prisons, I'm gonna do, give out talks wherever. I can. I will travel all over the country to any school in the country to do knife awareness and addiction awareness and mental health because it's just important. And were you nervous on your first prison talk? Um, my first, my first talk was to uh, 50 kids. I was so scared. I was supposed to talk for 40 minutes. It lasted 20. Right. <laughs> you know, I had a complete, everything set and I was really, really nervous. But now, now I do it. No, no, I start walking the park. I identify the laughers because you always get the kids who laugh, the guys who laugh. And that's when really I come into my own because I'm able to grab you and go, yeah, you find it funny until your belly's cut open or you, you know, you've, you've got a needle hanging out of your arm or whatever it is. It's, then it's not funny. You'll, you'll, you'll need this experience. I'm telling you. So yeah, I am quite brutal with my truths, but it's uh, it's a style that I don't see anyone else doing, so I'm sticking with it. Scaring sense into them. Literally, 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 that's scaring them to, to sensibilities. Jen just did her first prison talk. Were yeah. you scared? Jen? Yeah. No, not at all. <laughs> he, kept, he kept trying to roll me up before we went in there. I saying, said there's going to be strip tri- searches, metal detectors, sniffer dogs on your ass. Oh, we walked straight in. Straight in. <laughs> in you go. In you go. Don't worry about that. <laughs> and they were a lovely bunch, bunch of men. So usually they are. Yeah. yeah usually, especially was it, book tour. It was. Uh, it was organised through the library education. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so I've, I, I've. Uh, who did I see? Um, I can't remember who it was. But yeah, someone came in to do uh, a book like uh, through the library. I used to work in the library in Bristol actually, and yeah, uh, they come in and you always get treated well because it's someone's coming in to tell their story, and prisoners like that. It's nice to get out of the cell, isn't it? That's it, mate. Someone <laughs> new to look out for half hour. Oh, and you have some woman as well. Double bonus. 
So the the press has been reporting on you, Paul. I'm just going to read here a little bit because Paul, Paul's very modest. Um, Mr. Simmons now has an NCFE Level 2 award in mentoring for the last three years. He's on a mission to share his story of redemption with others to, quote, show the worst of addicts can do a complete turnaround and make a positive impact in the world. He's now got 12,000 TikTok followers who tune into his live morning and evening sessions to listen to him speak. So do you do them every day then? Every single day from the mo- from the day I started TikTok, I've done two sessions a day, every single day. But it's only hour sessions. Now there are TikTok heads on there. They're on there for 14, 15 hours a day because they are begging for uh, the monetization of TikTok. I don't ask people to send uh, gifts into my life. It's very, they're very loud. Obviously, this is why my throat is constant. I forgot what I actually sound like <laughs> because my throat is always uh, on the verge of disappearing my voice. Um, and I play lots of drum and bass. I've got lights, disco balls. You know, it's a real, f- it is when we do battle other, cause that's what they call on TikTok when you have the two, the other creators don't know how to deal with me. They have, they, they really haven't learned yet that I'm there to upset TikTok. I'm there to say there's actual, you can do good with that app. You know, you can really like massive things. You can really do real well with it. But if you go on the app and you know, it's all about uh, leaderboards. It's all about who sends the most gifts, who's got the biggest family when really it's just a manipulation to get poor people to give you their money. Now I say, don't send me gifts. You don't need to, but if you need help, you're going to have to pay for that help. You get an hour free in the morning, an hour free in the evening. But if you need me after that, you need to click the link in the bio, peeps. <laughs> and I've got a Linktree link, so it's amazing. And like I said, I've got a real good guy who does all my tech. I do none of it. I oh, do none fantastic. Of it. I, yeah, I don't know. That's I, I don't know. Traverse. It is amazing. Do you know what? Social media, it can be slagged off like it's getting a battering at the moment for a few things. But if you use it rightly for the right tool, I promise you, you can save people's lives on it. Absolutely. It's been life-changing for us as well. We've learned so many. So for the young people who've got gangsteritis, Paul, what do, you, what do you tell them? Listen, you're not a gangster, you're not a G, right? That's the first thing. Don't worry about money, stop trying to make P. Because when it comes to it, every single one of you is going to get caught with a knife on you, you're going to get caught with drugs on you, you're going to end up in prison on your own. And these guys who are looking after you, telling you that you're the man, we got your back, we're going to, as soon as you end up in prison, someone's taking your place, man. They've forgotten about you. They ain't sending you nothing. It's hard in there. And trust me, when that door shuts at night and you're in cell and it's all quiet and the tears start coming, you're going to wish you listened to me. Mm, strong. Before we finish then, we're going to... We know how hungry you are. All, first off, all of Paul's links are in the description box below the video. Uh, please check his stuff out. We've got Addicted to Coro Energy Balls. Whoa. Coro does healthy snacks. There's no refined sugars in them, additives, preservatives. Which one are you going to go for, Jen? I'm going to go for carrot cake today. Carrot cake. Obsessed with it. I think you need to pick one up for Paul as well. Right, because some of them... Right, what what sort of flavours yeah, do you like? Vanilla, cakao crush. Right, I'll give you the carrot cake. You'll have to go for that one. Oh, and I'm going to go for... I can't do things that I don't... Uh, you know, I'm I'm very British in that. 
<laughs> oh, that's half <laughs> vegan. Mm. Right. Mm. Let's give it a go. You have to say how you... Link to Coro is also in the description box. And you get a 5% Very discount nice. on any of their products if you put in the code true crime. All one word, true crime. And they are delicious. And Lovely. Now. Amazing. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> the best. Best you ever tasted. All right. Thank you. Give us a hug. Oh, good chat, oh, thank you. I'm so hot. Oh, really? Well, Fantastic, yeah, well done, man. Thank you. Chet Sandu's book is finally available worldwide on Amazon. He's one of our most viral podcast guests ever. The book is called Self Made, Juice Paid, an Asian kid who became an international drug smuggling gangster. Do you want to read some of the back, Jen? Oh, yeah, go the blurb. In 1999, Chet Sandu was arrested at gunpoint in Alicante Airport for smuggling the largest quantity of illicit pharmaceutical drugs in Spanish history. Interesting. Overnight, he went from living in the shadows of the Costa del Crimes underworld to being labelled a notorious supervillain in the international press. Incarcerated alongside murderers, rapists, and terrorists in a super maximum security wing. He had to navigate a world of murderous knife fights, prison breaks, drug taking, and high stake power plays. Good bedtime read. In Self Made Use Paid, learn how a British born Asian kid with disabilities raised in a corner shop emerged as a protector of his family from racist thieves and hooligans. Be prepared to be entertained, informed and offended by Chet's no-holes-barred account of raves, drugs, bodybuilding, entering the fashion industry. Did you know that he dated Kylie Minogue and Naomi yes. Campbell? <laughs> Latest interview. Working the doors and life in one of the world's deadliest places to be incarcerated. If you enjoyed Chet's podcast series with us, there's a lot more detail in the book. Check it out. Worldwide on Amazon, ebook, paperback, and audiobook.